Good evening, and welcome to Bonaparte's Country Cottage, featuring Electric Dreams for Wednesday, May the 24th. I am your blind skeleton host, Bonaparte, and you have found your way to my quiet cottage in the countryside. Please come in, have a seat, be comfortable. There are enough oversized, well-cushioned Victorian chairs for everyone, and everyone is welcome. Close your eyes. Sit back and let yourself be transported back in time with me to the 1930s. Electric Dreams is my opportunity to share with you some early electrically recorded music. All the music we play on the show are electrically recorded songs from the years 1927 to 1937. All of the songs that we play are from my personal collection of 78 RPM records. And they are designed, this show is designed largely in part to portray the formative years of the music recording industry. One of the really pleasurable things about listening to these old records is to listen to the snaps, the crackles, and the pops on them. It really does give the music a little bit extra character. A little bit extra warmth to it. Today, however, we're going to break from our normal template and move away from the first decade of electrically recorded records. Prior to about 1926, music was all recorded in an acoustic fashion, meaning that music the instruments, the musicians, they sang or played into the equivalent of the large end of a funnel, which transcribed the music directly onto a recorded medium. Around the 1926 time frame, the technology advanced enough so that vacuum tubes could be used as electric forms of amplification for microphones and it allowed a much wider range of music to begin to be recorded and played. And of course, the technology continued to advance. Not just the recording technology, but the technology that created the actual record itself. In the 1910s and 1920s, records were largely made, the flat records, the flat disc records, were largely made of shellac, which is a very hard, brittle medium. It had a better sound than the records prior to that, which were made on wax cylinders. Now, shellac was used as a medium of record recording up until the 40s. In the 40s and 50s, the, the actual material moved into what we now know as vinyl. It was lighter weight, uh, it was less expensive to produce, and therefore it 
ended up with a much wide, wider spread use than shellac did. Vinyl records were also not nearly as brittle. They would not necessarily dro- shatter when dropped. Um, just as prone to scratches, of course, but they were still a little more versatile. Typically, when we run this show, we like to play music from 1927 to 1937, as this is really the formative years of the electrical amplification and electrical amplified music. This week, however, we're moving into the 1940s and 50s. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, a large number, well, large, maybe a dozen to 20 records came into the Blind Skeleton collection from record labels in Japan. These were the first really, truly foreign record labels that that we've gotten, and there were enough of them that I thought it was very intriguing and interesting enough to share with the audience on the show today. So these records kind of do run the gambit of interest. We have the we have records from the Victor Record Company of Japan. Uh, we'll speak about them in just a minute. We've got records and songs from Japan, Colombia, as well as some others. We're going to start off with a couple of songs from the Victor Company of Japan. Now, this running across this, and I came actually, I actually came across this company name a while back, but it was when I started really diving into the history of the Victor Company that I had this aha moment. The Victor Company of Japan, also known as JVC, has a very rich history in the field of consumer electronics and entertainment. I've been familiar with the company JVC. I've been familiar with them for quite some time, in fact. I had no idea that it was that that acronym stemmed from Victor Company of Japan or Japan Victor Company. And now you know as well. So the Victor Company of Japan was established on September 13 in 1927. It was a subsidiary, of course, of the Victor Talking Machine Company, which very shortly after this in 1929 became RCA Victor. JVC initially focused on producing phonographs and records. That was their primary focal point. In the 1930s, JVC made advancements in audio technology. They introduced Japan's first phonograph, known as the Victrola, of course. Uh, During this time, they also started producing records and expanding its product range to include radios and televisions, which of course, was a very logical way to expand, particularly since RCA was the radio corporation of America. RCA Victor was beginning to really move into the entire mass media as a whole. After World War II, which is where all of the records we have today come from, JVC did go through some growth, They did play a crucial role in developing Japan's television industry, 
introducing the country's first television sets. And, of course, they continued to make contributions into the audio and video industry. In 1971, they introduced the first VHS video cassette recorder, the VCR, into the market, sparking the popularity of the VHS format. JVC also developed a number of groundbreaking audio technologies, such as the Super VHS format and the Video Home System format. JVC ended up expanding its operations globally. They established their own subsidiaries and manufacturing facilities in various countries. And over the years, they went through a number of ownership changes and restructuring. In 2008, they merged with Kenwood Corporation, which was a leading Japanese audio equipment manufacturer, which resulted in a new company named JVC Kenwood Holdings. We're not going to focus, of course, on what happened in the 2000s. We are falling back in time to 1950 to start our show off. The Victor Company of Japan released a record with a song named Coal Mine Festival. It was released in 1950. It's labeled as light music right on the label, and it is arranged by Sano Ho. The label itself is very interesting to me in the sense that the entire label, with the exception of the Victor name, is in Japanese. I sadly do not read Japanese, which was an issue that I had to come to grips with through doing my research on all of these records. Uh, the best I could come up with was that the name of this song on the A-side was either Coal Mine or Coal Mine Festival. And I do hope you enjoy it.
Now, according to the research that I have done and the results of the research that I have received, that song and the flip side to it are in the Minyo style of music. The Minyo style of music is a Japanese style of music that translates to folk song, roughly. Uh, Minyo songs are deeply, deeply rooted in the everyday lives, history, and culture of the Japanese people. They express a wide range of emotions and themes, including love, work, nature, celebrations, and historical events. Some of the key aspects and characteristics of the Minyo music style um, are such. They, it, was, it had its origins in the Edo period, you know, 1603 to 1868, roughly, give or take a few years on each side, and evolved over time with regional variations across the country. Traditional Japanese musical instruments are commonly used in Minyo music. These include the shamisen, a three-stringed instruments play, a three-stringed instrument played with a plectrum, shakuhachi, which is a bamboo flute, a koto, a horizontal stringed instrument, taiko or drums, and various percussion instruments. Minyo is also known for its distinctive vocal styles and techniques. Singers often use melodic ornaments, vocal slides, and vocal improvisation to add a level of expressiveness and emotional depth to their songs. The singing style can vary region to region, ranging from soulful and melancholic to lively and energetic. And with all of this variation, uh, the Minyo repertoire is quite vast and diverse, encompassing a wide range of songs. Work songs, festival songs, love ballads, sea shanties, lullabies, and the list goes on. Each song carries its own story and cultural significance, reflecting the experience and sentiments of the people. Minyo music is also often accompanied by traditional dance forms. The movements and gestures in Minyo dance are very graceful and rhythmic, emphasizing the storytelling and enhancing the overall performance. Likewise, dance styles can vary depending on the region and the specific song being performed. Now, while Minyo does have deep historical roots, it's also evolved with the changing times. In addition to preserving traditional Minyo songs, contemporary artists and ensembles have adapted the style incorporating modern instruments and arrangements and fusing it with other genres such as rock, jazz, or pop, as we just listened to. So the flip side to the song that we just heard is also named Coal Mine Festival. Uh, The ensemble that does the music is the Japan Victor Orchestra. The lyrics are by Kinjiro Ono, and the vocals are by Kikumaru, Masei Enomoto, and Masao Suzuki.
So our next two songs, despite being a year older in production, are actually newer in their cultural heritage in that they utilize traditional Japanese music with some more Western influences. Ryukoka, also known as Enka, is a popular music style in Japan that emerged in the early 20th century and really gained prominence in the post-World War II era, which is what we're listening to right now. Ryukoka can be translated as popular songs or songs of the flow in English. It's a genre that blends traditional Japanese music with Western influences, such as Western pop and jazz. Ryukoka emerged during a time when Western music styles were being introduced into Japan. It was heavily influenced by genres such as American jazz, Latin music, and European ballads. Ryukoka drew from those influences while incorporating Japanese melodies, scales, and lyrical themes. The songs are characterized by melodic and emotional ballad-style compositions, and often feature prominent use of string instruments like the guitar and violin, along with piano, accordion, and brass instruments. Ryukoka singers employ a distinctive vocal style, characterized by a rich and emotive delivery. Singers often use techniques like vibrato, melisma, and expressive phrasing to convey the emotions expressed in the lyrics. The lyrics themselves typically focus on themes of love, lost, longing, and nostalgia. The songs often depict sentimental stories of unrequited love, separation, or personal struggles. Ryukoka performances, when done live, often involve dramatic expressions and gestures, which really enhance the emotional impact of the songs. Singers use their vocal prowess and stage presence to convey the depth of feelings contained within the lyrics themselves. Ryukoka gained widespread popularity in the post-war era, as it really, really resonated with the sentiments of a recovering nation. It became an important cultural phenomenon, and many legendary singers rose to prominence within the genre. There's still a fan base in, J- in Japan for this type of music, particularly among the older generations. It's often associated with a sense of nostalgia and traditional Japanese values. While its popularity has waned in recent years, there are still artists who keep the Ryukoka tradition alive, such as us here at Blind Skeleton. So I did have some some difficulty getting this first particular song translated. It translated either into Snow Blues or Yuki No Blues. Um, what I do know is that the lyrics are by Takei Saiki, music is by Ryochi Hattori, and the vocals are by Ichimaru.
Now, even if one does not necessarily speak Japanese, one can certainly appreciate the the melancholy aspect of that particular song. It really is emotionally laden. Now, the flip side to Snow Blues is a song called Shamusen Boogie Woogie, and I think that this really is going to show an interesting Western inf- influence from after the fo- after the war. Uh, this song is also sung by Ichimaru, who was a Japanese singer and geisha. The song is a fusion of traditional Japanese music and Western boogie woogie, and the lyrics are about the joys of life and the importance of living in the moment. Thank you. 
Now, of course, Victor and JVC were not the only record labels in Japan. Uh, not the only labels to move into Japan from the United States, either. Uh, another company that you may have heard was Columbia. Um, Nippon Columbia, or Japan Columbia, also known as Columbia Japan, um, was a prominent Japanese record label um, that was founded a good long time ago in 1910 as Nipponophone Company Limited. This makes it one of the oldest record companies in Japan.、Uh, the company was a subsidiary of the American Columbia Records, which later became part of the CBS Records Group. In its early years, Nippon Columbia primarily focused on importing and distributing foreign records in Japan. They did introduce a wide range of music genres to the Japanese market, including classical, jazz, and popular music. As the popularity of recorded music grew in Japan, Nippon Columbia began to expand its operations. They started producing their own records, they collaborated with Japanese artists and composers. They also diversified their catalog by signing various international artists and Releasing those recordings in Japan. Nippon Columbia ended up playing a, a very important role in the development of the Japanese music industry. They supported the careers of many famous Japanese artists, contributed to the growth of domestic music production, and fostered the emergence of a distinct Japanese music style. They were at the forefront of technological advancements in the recording industry, just as JVC was. Now, Victor and Columbia have been competitors forever, and that seems to have really moved forward with their subsidiaries as well. Nippon Columbia introduced various formats and technologies, including the first electrical recordings in Japan, which, of course, we celebrate on this show here. They introduced vinyl records and they assisted in the development of long playing LP records,、uh, which we're very familiar with today. After World War II, the company faced the challenge of rebuilding its operations, but they did manage to do that. They rebounded and they expanded their influence. They even ventured into the production of film soundtracks, anime theme songs, and other. Entertainment media. Now, over the years, just like JVC, Nippon Columbia underwent several ownership changes and corporate restructuring. In 1963, the company was acquired by the Denon Electronics Group, a Japanese audio equipment manufacturer. In 2002, Nippon Columbia became a subsidiary of the Columbia Music Entertainment Group. They ended up falling back under the Columbia umbrella. The first song we have from Columbia is My Dear Little Box. And the label to this particular record is interesting because the label was printed in Japanese with the exception of the label name, Columbia, and the title of the song, which were both in English. The remainder of the label was in Japanese. This song and the one that we will play immediately after are both in the big band Ryukoka style. This is My Dear Little Box. 
an interesting way for that record to come to a complete and abrupt stop. So the flip side to the song, which we are going to listen to next, is Tokyo Boogie Woogie. Um, This was also released in 1948, performed by the Japanese singer and actor Hachiro Kasuga. Going to get this record flipped. And we are going to, without much in the way of additional verbiage, we're going to just get the song playing for you.
we're going to play one more song on the Columbia Japan label. Uh, this next song is named A Girl in Kimono. The song is about the beauty and grace of a Japanese woman in a kimono. Uh, the lyrics are in Japanese, like all of the others we've had so far, but the message is very universal. The song is a celebration of Japanese culture and a reminder of the beauty of the Japanese woman. As we begin to wind down our show for the day, I'd like to spend a moment to thank you all for coming in and spending your evening hour with me. 
I know it's the middle of the week and there are a number of other things for people to be doing, so the fact that you're choosing to spend it with me is very much appreciated. And I am very pleased and happy to have you here. Just a couple of points of administration. We do have some exciting things going on here at Blind Skeleton and at our sister site, SkeletonBrew.coffee. Every Saturday morning, we are coming out with a new video, Saturday Morning Coffee with Bonaparte, where we have been sharing some vintage coffee recipes from some antique cookbooks. Uh, This coming weekend, we'll have yet another recipe that is sure to be delightful and very tasty. Next week is a short week for us. Monday is a holiday here in the U.S., so um, not Monday morning, morning coffee with Bonaparte, which is normally Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., will be Tuesday through Friday, 7 a.m. next week. Tuesday, of course, will be our regular three-tune Tuesday live cast at noon Eastern Time. All of my times are in Eastern Time. On the Blind Skeleton website, blindskeleton.one, you will find a browsable, searchable database of all of our records. There is a button available. It says request. You can request a song, send in a request, give me your email address. I will reply to you. When we get your request played, we'll send you a coupon for 10% off a coffee purchase at skeletonbrew.coffee. And of course, at any point in time, you're Welcome, free, and invited to send me an email or a tweet, Bonaparte at BlindSkeleton.one, on Twitter as at Skeleton underscore one. If you're on the website, you will find a variety of social media avenues with which to get in touch with us. I do invite you to do so. Um, Love to hear from you. Spread the good Blind Skeleton word. Now, getting back to some music... We have another label to talk about. This one is Nippon Mercury. Now, Mercury Records was, uh, was, is a semi-major label in the United States. They did make a foray into Japan. Uh, In 1952, they started the Nippon Mercury label. Uh, This did not last too terribly long, however. The label began to be handled by King Records in 1957, and then later by Nippon Victor. I could not find very much in the way of information about the label, um, nor could I find information on the number of releases that the label made. My traditional sources don't have that much, so I'm inclined to believe that it was not as popular as the others, which is why it would have been handled ultimately by other record labels. But the song we have today next for you is from the Nippon Mercury label and is named How High the Moon. This is a jazz standard that was originally written by Morgan Lewis and Billy Eckstein in 1940. The version that we have here was recorded by the Japanese group The Big Four, and this was released in 1954. 
That is definitely something that one could hear very easily hear in a coffee shop about anywhere in the world. Really, really fun, fun song. Now, we've got one more song coming up for you tonight. Oh, we've been saving maybe the granddaddy for last, I guess you could say. Taichiku Records, also known as Taichiku Entertainment, is a Japanese record label and entertainment company. They were founded in 1953 in Tokyo. In its early years, they focused on producing and releasing music in various genres, including enka, pop, rock, folk, and traditional music. Like other record labels of the time and today, they expanded, they grew into other areas. But early at the time, they 
did some cross-licensing with other record labels. In this case, they did some cross-licensing with DECA. So this next song is a DECA label song that was manufactured and distributed in Japan by Taichiku. The song is Sweet Lailani, written by Harry Owens and Johnny Noble, first recorded by Bing Crosby in 1937. And it is the Bing Crosby version that we are going to listen to next here. This will be our last song for the night. Thank you so much for listening in.
And that is our show for the day. Thank you so much for spending your Wednesday evening with me. Um, do reach out to me, Bonaparte at BlindSkeleton.one, and I will see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for Morning Coffee with Bonaparte. Oh.